93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, I'm glad you tuned in this weekend. We've got a great guest in the studio that we're going to learn a lot from. And uh, pleased to welcome to the Eagle Studios, DeCarlin Seawood, who is the city manager of our great city, City of Columbia. DeCarlin, great to have you here. Thank you, Fred. Uh, appreciate you coming in. I always, You know, uh, one of the, our favorite things to do, I've been writing editorials for 30 years, and one of my favorite things to do is always sort of uh, pick on everything that's wrong with the City of Columbia, <laughs> pick on the mayor, pick on the city council. And, and I know this radio station does a lot of that also. So we always appreciate your willingness to come in and, and answer questions. And, and you, you never put restrictions on what we can ask you. And so I, I appreciate your, your openness and your transparency. And, uh, that's a sign of a good leader. So I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of things to talk about, but I, I want to just remind, uh, you've been on the show a couple times before, but I want to remind our listeners about your background, um, where you grew up and, and how you, uh, got to the city of Columbia. I appreciate it. Thank you. So I have about 27 years experience in local government. Mm-hmm. Actually, 28. Wow. Uh, a so, lifetime. <laughs> lifetime. Yes, sir. Uh, so I was born in East St. Louis. Uh, we moved to Kansas City when I was 12. Uh, went to Rockhurst College oh, for, yeah. for undergrad. Uh, got my um, bachelor's in political science. I interned for the governors. Uh, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you no, know, after undergrad i was still waiting tables oh yeah <laughs> and so it works <laughs> so so what's the next step so yeah. i came to mu uh went to the mpa program uh uh-huh. the truman school and at the mpa program you have to do an internship so i interned in osage beach yeah i was supposed to be a it was supposed to be a three-month internship i turned it into a year and three months wow i fell in love with local government yeah and so from osage beach i went to fulton from fulton went to ferguson uh, was the assistant in Ferguson for several years. Uh, then I decided I wanted to go a little further and become a city manager. Mm-hmm. So I became the city manager in Berkeley, Missouri. Okay. Uh, did that for a couple of years. Left. Tell us where Berkeley is. Is that a suburb of St. Louis? It's a suburb of St. Louis. Okay. It's right next door to Ferguson. Okay. And All right. so um, it, it's literally, I was closer to City Hall in Berkeley from my house in Ferguson than if I moved to Berkeley. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So when when people talk about Ferguson, Missouri, uh, give us a quick update. You know, of course, it was the epicenter of uh, of a of a big movement, and and that everything started there. And and it kind of, in many respects, it really kind of gave Ferguson a bad rap. Yes, you sir. know what I mean? It seemed like a very unsafe, violent place. Um, and in our previous conversations, you know, you would share with me, no, th- this all happened within a three block area, and and it just got so blown out of proportion. But but how has Ferguson recovered? What what has Ferguson been like since? Uh, the Michael Brown stuff, and I think that's the hard part. I think there's, there's, it's, it's difficult for a community that size to recover from such a huge event. Mm-hmm. And and part of the issue is when you looked at the issues with policing, it wasn't germane to just Ferguson. 
It was an issue with St. Louis County Mm -hmm. as a whole. Yeah. And so when the Department of Justice came down, they said, okay, we're going to make an example of this community. Mm -hmm. They made an example of a community of Mm 22,000 with a relatively small budget. Mm. And so to do the the expansions that needed to be done in order to really meet the the demands of the consent decree, which were things that should have been done. Mm It became it became very expensive and very difficult, and very cumbersome to get through that. Yeah. Uh, also, there's been a lot of division in that community, and, and the sad part is, if you were, were in, if you were in Ferguson, you know, when I was there as um, as an assistant, the community really worked well well together. Mm-hmm. They really understood diversity. Really understood how we had to reach across uh, tables and they did things like neighbor to neighbor dinners, things that allow people to actually sit down, break bread together and really have those real true conversations. Mm-hmm. The The thing that occurred was they thought the mission was done. Mm. So they stopped talking. Yeah. They stopped working together. They stopped communicating. Mm. And then when you had the incident occur, it just created this, it was, it was a perfect, Storm. It was gasoline on a fire. Absolutely. Yeah. And because the community hadn't been reaching and hadn't been talking to each other, it made it very difficult to bring people together. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're at that point where they're still really divided. Mm-hmm. And so they really have to figure out a way. How do we have those conversations of how we come back to being community? Yeah. And yeah. and that's the work. Yeah. It's uh it, it's it's really it's it's kind of a sad story and and I think I've told you before you need to write a book about it because it's just such a it is such a, an amazing case study on on just how things can go wrong so quickly and and you know in some respects how unfair it was you know to that community but uh you know we've talked in the, the past you know Emerson Electric is a huge employer in that community absolutely and, and there was concern that they were going to relocate and I think they've made a decision to stay and which is which has been good and they've actually acquired a, a big company out of Texas but you know it's it's really um uh so much can go wrong so time and and i would imagine you know when people have to say you know we all have civic pride you know Mm -hmm. i I love columbia you know and and uh i I was proud of where i came from and and uh but you know there's got to people probably have to sort of almost shriek a little bit when they say yeah, I'm from Ferguson, Missouri. You know what I mean? Because people say, oh, that's a terrible place. You know what I mean? And that's the way the media and just, you know, everything that happened painted that place. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and, too makes, bad. and it makes it hard to, it makes it hard to have those conversations. Yeah. My, my daughter, she's from Ferguson. She, yeah. she grew up to Ferguson. She yeah. went to high school in Ferguson. Yeah. And so it, it is one of those things where, where you say, well, this is where I'm from. Then you have to kind of explain. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you like to be the economic development director for Ferguson? Yeah. Be, be a story to tell. Absolutely. It? Yeah. Very good. Well, there's lots of things in the headlines in the last couple of weeks that I, I kind of want to get uh, uh, your take on. And, and uh, tell us a little, a little bit about your new police chief. Uh, you have uh, Jill Schlute was promoted from within, which uh, I personally think is a, is a great idea just from a cultural standpoint. Uh, tell us about hiring Jill and, and what you're expecting to see happen in the next few months. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting. We did probably the most thorough, largest process to find a chief. Yeah. We made sure that we had community engagement. Mm-hmm. We made sure we had voices at the tables to tell us exactly what do they want to see in a chief for Columbia. Yeah. No, we, we, we invited stakeholders. We invited stakeholders to sit on interview panels. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it was my decision, but I'm comfortable to say that the people who I heard from, the people who sat on those interview panels, the people who came to our events, overwhelmingly 
said that she was the candidate. Uh-huh. She was the one. Yeah. And and she hit the ground running. Yeah. You know, she's come in. She's really done the, done an assessment of okay, what do we need to do in order to move this this department forward? Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that have been our, some of our stumbling blocks that we can overcome? Yeah. And because she's been in the department for so long, she has that picture. She sees it and she understands yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And she's been doing it. So one of the things that was on the agenda at the last council meeting was a reorg. Uh, it's bringing back the deputy chief. It is adding a a division that will be the um, Professional Standards Bureau. I've never heard of that. What is that? And so the Professional Standards Bureau will combine recruitment, training, um, our our uh, accreditation, okay. our communications, all under one assistant chief. Okay. And so it'll allow for that continuity of things that just make sense to be together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, because it's hard for you to have internal affairs and not be understanding how you're doing your training. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to say that we're going to communicate to uh, our citizens about what's going on and not have your training as being part of that whole operation. Yeah. And so having one chief that can make sure that we're doing it correctly is important. Yeah. Uh, we've been trying to become accredited for years. Mm-hmm. And and it's been a whack-a-mole because it's been, well, we'll sign it to a sergeant. That person's there for a couple of years because they're doing accreditation. They become that star. Yeah. So they promote up to lieutenant. Yeah. And then you're starting all over again. Yeah. And then you got to redo it every year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And so having yeah. one division that that is their sole purpose, mm-hmm. and we're actually looking at hiring a civilian to help us with research to do that accreditation yeah. part, yeah. so it doesn't have to mop, bounce around if someone promotes up. Yeah, I remember when the Boone County Sheriff went through the Kaleo uh, accreditation, and is it the same thing for the City Police Department? Kaleo? Yes, it is. Okay, so yes, it is. Uh, it, it's involved. I it mean, is it's extremely involved. And it, it takes a lot of manpower to, to pull it off. And Absolutely. So, and I didn't realize you had to do it every year for renewal, and until the sheriff was on recently, and uh, that's a lot of work. Yes, you know, but but I guess in the end, it really makes a difference, and the accreditation is there for a reason. Absolutely. So, it, it it becomes that platform. So when people say, well, how come you're not doing it? You can say, no, we're an accredited community. Yeah. Our training fits the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, uh, are you saying that we have never been accredited? We have not. Is that right? Very yes. interesting. As progressive as Columbia is, and, and uh, we'd like to be the best in everything. Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting that we've never done that. So. And the university police is accredited. Is it really? And the sheriff's department okay. is accredited. All right. And so, so you're running out of excuses. Yes, yeah. sir. Okay, very good. Well, that's good. That's good to know. Tell us um, a little bit about, uh, we um, uh, are into another cold snap here this this weekend, and and uh, uh, of course there's a very large unhoused population in our community. Uh, tell us about the Ashley Street Center. What? How was that? You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when it was so br- last weekend when it was so brutally cold. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about what was going on at the Ashley Street Center. Sure. Uh, so right now, what we did was we found a permanent home for Room at the Inn. Yeah. And uh, if you remember in the past, Room at the Inn was church to church, church to church. church. And so every week you're packing up and you're moving to a new location. People get lost about where to go. And so to have one focal point where we know exactly if if when when there's a cold snap, Mm -hmm. people know exactly where to go. And they have access to transportation to get them there. And so uh, over the the weekend, we had 70 guests. Uh, They... um, the, as the temperatures dropped, they, we, we, I think it rose to about 85. Wow. Okay. Um, no one was turned away. Yeah. Uh, we, which is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and and so there was a place for people to go. Now yeah. the the operations were seven to seven. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 seven p.m. to seven p.m. to seven a.m. Yeah. And then you you need to leave the building after, yeah. even yeah. when it's still five degrees below yes. zero. Okay. And, and what they tend to go is they tend to go to uh, Turning Point. Okay. Because Turning Point is a drop-in yep. center. Yeah. And so that's for the day center. Okay. And so you go to Turning Point. That's where people get their mail. That's where people kind of get their laundry done. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes that process of from one facility to the other facility. Yeah. Now on Saturdays because Turning Point close it was open all it was open all day okay all right so if you um if 120 people showed up would there be room at the ashley street center for them for the for the most part yes okay i think i think that may be the that may be the point where it's kind of gets too yeah. a little too tight yeah uh but we also have uh turning point as also a backup center so this last cold snap there really wasn't a capacity issue there for was the most part. there was not a capacity yeah. issue and then um you um uh, i just lost my my train of thought here so when you look at um, the the services that are provided out there, there's there's sleeping accommodations. Uh, there is is loaves and fishes at the Ashley Street Center? Or, they are not. Okay. Is there anybody providing food at Ashley Street Center? Righty, yes. So room at the end. Oh yeah. Room so room at the end. Okay. So they are providing food. And one yeah. of the things that we did um, before they opened for the winter is we did a completely upgrade to the commercial kitchen. Yeah. And so okay, it is nice. fully operational. Okay. And so is that, that's the old VFW for people yeah. that don't know, post 280, uh, back, uh, I don't know what the name of that street is, Bowling, I think, uh, or, or it's, it's Ashley. Ashley. Is it Ashley Street? That's, oh, that's, that's why that's they true. call it Ashley that's Street. Where, that's okay. where I get the name. Oh, yes, sir. What a, what a coincidence. <laughs> um, so it is, uh, they're set up to basically, uh, just handle really all the needs for the most part yes, that sir. these people have. So, um, I mean, okay. the one thing that they're not doing, they're not doing laundry service. Yeah. Uh, they are, it's it's not a day center, so it is uh, it is a place for sleeping. Yeah, um, I think there is Burrell does go out to visit. Yeah, I don't I don't say they're there every day. Yeah, but they do make visits. Yeah, and if there's a mental health crisis, is there somebody that can respond? Absolutely. Okay, good. So the the train of thought I lost a few minutes ago was um, so if if we believe that there's around 200 people that are unhoused living on our streets in Columbia, that means that a lot of people, even though it was you know. 20 degrees below zero wind chill, uh, there were still some people that still didn't come in. Is yes, that correct? And, that's correct. And do you have reason to believe that they're staying in their camps? I am not sure. Okay. And I think that's the hard part. You know, we, we, we have facilities. Yeah. Uh, and was, like I said, we have the Ashley, uh, turning points also a drop in center for overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other places that people can go to. Yeah. Um, th- but we also know like, uh, welcome in. Mm-hmm. I know that's, not an official uh, facility for the unsheltered. It's an extended stay hotel. Yeah, more of a long term, long term solution. Yeah, but when when you talk to their ownership, most of their clientele are people who are either unhoused or on a bubble of being unhoused. Yeah, and so you also have, uh, of course, the Harbor House, Harbor, Harbor know, House, run by the Salvation Army, and yes, so. Sir. Um, you know, so so there are some options out there, but um, the city has been criticized for for. Uh, you know, cleaning out these camps uh, yes, that sir. are around. And I know you had to recently go back and clean out one that you had previously cleaned out. I mean, is that, um, give sort of give us your, give us your response. And we only have a minute here to do this, but tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what is that? Um, well, let's save that for after the break because sure. it's probably a long answer. And, and, uh, but I want to kind of get your perspective on, on, uh, sort of the pros and cons of, of, of doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of, a uh, nobody wants that in their backyard, of course, you know, and, and so I completely get that, but I, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. We are visiting with the Carlin Seawood, who is the city manager for the city of Columbia. And uh, right after this 
break. We'll come back and uh, talk about the homeless situation and uh, find out how the city's going to be involved in the uh, new Opportunity Center that's going to be opening up. And we got lots of other things that we got to cover before we get it too far into the conversation. So this is Fred Perry. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable Show. Back after this on 93.9 The Eagle. The people too high mess around. They're doing the mess around. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with DeCarlin Seawood, who is the city manager for the great city of Columbia. And uh, we have been uh, talking a little bit about the Astrology Center, which was able to accommodate 85 people last weekend and uh, uh, capacity to do up to 120. Uh so when you, when you go in to clean out, and I think one of the areas that's so controversial is this is this wooded area behind Home Depot. And uh, um, tell us a little bit about the city's rationale and and why that's important for you guys to stay on top of that. Sure, I'll I'll tell you what happens when you don't okay. respond. And so when we cleaned it up the first time, we removed ninety seven tons of debris. Unbelievable. And so can you imagine if we just ignored it and mm-hmm. let it go? Yeah. I mean, we had someone had. They made a trench where um, human waste was flowing into the creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone made a makeshift uh, washing machine where they clicked, a, they connected a washing machine up to a lawnmower battery. Mm-hmm. No ingenuity. Yeah. But again, all the runoff was running into the creek. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes this issue where we're, we're now we are the chief polluter. Yeah. And so you you can't just ignore it. Yeah. And so the idea is not to ignore it. Its the idea is to try to figure out. How do we provide resources to people? Yeah. But we, we, we can't just allow it just to sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's sometimes it's not an issue of providing resources. There are, there are people living in these conditions that don't want the resources. That is or true. They don't take advantage of them. So that's got to be uh, a, a tough thing for you. Back in the headlines, I would just, uh, we, I know that we just recently opened a new fire station south of town, and, mm-hmm. and I hear great things from firefighters about how, how nice it is. Uh, everybody's got their own sleeping accommodations. They're not bunking up like they used to, which is a, a real benefit. Uh, are we? Do we have another fire station coming online? Yes. Okay. So we have the uh, Fire Station 11. That's at, on Scott Boulevard. Okay. And so that's the one that's fully operational and uh, it's opened. Okay. Uh, we, ha- we just bought property on El Chaparral. Okay. And that'll be Station 10. Okay. And uh, we're in the process of hiring an architect to do some design okay are you were you temporarily operating out of a church so we will be okay and so that's part of what we want to do is we we, we're going to have the architect do two designs the first design is how do we how do we modify the church to be able to be used as a facility for housing firefighters Mm -hmm. and then the other part is to do that lawn scale uh, design for how do we build the facility. Yeah. So when we tear down the church and actually rebuild. Okay. And so these two fire stations address uh, long-held concerns about what happens when there's a fire in Thornbrook. Uh, yes, the, so the Scott Boulevard one takes care of that. And then with all these new subdivisions on WW, like Old Hawthorne and the Vineyards, and so this new place on El Chaparral will address response time. Absolutely. Too. Okay. Well, that's good. That that's certainly. What's the timeline on the, on the next fire station? So the next fire station most likely will be. It'll have to be part of our. Uh, 2025 uh, sales tax initiative. Okay. So it's going to be a, it'll be okay. a ballot issue. So it has not been funded yet. It has not been funded. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So we have the funds to rehab the church okay. for that temporary use. Yep. But to build new, we're going to have to go out for okay. funding. 
All right. And you're planning to do that in 2025? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you, um, a little bit about, uh, the, the most recent cold snap. What kind of, uh, pressure did that put on our, our utility infrastructure? Uh, did, did you, were there any metrics or any, any, uh, things that you were watching closely during that cold snap? Absolutely. And, and thank goodness, uh, the cold snap really didn't do any real, uh, drastic, um, issues with our facilities. Mm-hmm. Our infrastructure really survive and it our, held up i held up yeah and our staff did a yeoman's job to keep everything moving yeah uh so on the electric side we had um we had a line that a uh, tree limb fell and snapped the line where the guys had to go back and repair mm-hmm. we had a couple of transformers that didn't operate because of the cold yeah we had another transformer that had a circuit breaker blow mm-hmm. but they were relatively put back into service in a very short period of time yeah yeah on the water side we had a uh, i think probably about four or five water main breaks yeah and for our community our size yeah that's not bad that's not bad at all uh way better than an ice storm right yes sir (laughs) so yeah we dodged that bullet that's good um that's one thing about being so cold you don't get ice and and so uh so you know there's been a lot of uh, uh people tend to be critical myself included you know there's some concerns about sort of the reliability of Columbia's infrastructure. Mm -hmm. If you were to look at Columbia's infrastructure, and that's just, you know, there's a lot in there, but what kind of grade would you give Columbia right now? And I mean, in some respects, uh, there is a belief that we kind of got behind on some things. You know, I don't know how true that is, but you probably are in the, at the best, best vantage point to really grade the city on that. But if you were to give them an, an A through F score on infrastructure, what's the condition of Columbia's infrastructure? And, and that's a, that's a hard question because it's such a, a large venue to kind of think about. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, our infrastructure is very reliable. Mm-hmm. And so if, if the, so if you're giving it a grade, it may be a B minus. Mm-hmm. There are definitely things that we need to do better. Okay. There's definitely things that we need to plan for. We need to really look forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing is this, this community got so afraid of growth yep. that because we we're afraid of growth, we didn't respond quick enough to the growth that we were seeing. Yeah. And people used infrastructure as their primary argument for not allowing more growth. I and mean, we saw that in downtown Columbia. Yes. There was this myth out there that if we build one more student high rise, our, our infrastructure downtown is going to collapse. And, and people used that fear. And unfortunately, it sounds like there was a lot of misinformation in that. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, you no. Know, Growth is going to occur. Yeah. And you're either going to, either growth will occur either because of you or despite you. Yeah. And if we allow it to grow despite us, then we're going to be chasing our, we're going to be chasing our tails constantly trying to figure out how to fix this, how to improve this, how to do this. And so we really need to have that forward thought. Yeah. And understand, okay, we see it's happening. So what do we need to make sure that our water system is safe? That our stormwater system is safe, that our streets are are at the at where they need to be, yeah. that our electric system works. Yeah, and, and and so it's it's really having that forward thought, and so that's where we need to get to. Yeah, you don't have to drive very far to see Columbia to, to see communities that are not growing. And this was a uh, this was I used to say this all the time, and it would really make people anti-growth people mad but a community either grows or dies absolutely and you don't have to drive very far to see communities who are dying yes and you know and i think that uh, columbia is going to grow and and instead of resisting it we should probably embrace it and just prepare ourselves you know adequately for it and so that's that's going to be a long long battle absolutely know, for but, our community but that, but that needs to be the conversation because yeah. you're absolutely correct communities either grow or they die yeah 
And the the thought of us being this small town of 30,000 yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And if we go back, it's for all the wrong reasons. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's something. Um, I wanted to uh, get a quick update. And this is a uh, an issue that doesn't get um, – well, a lot of people don't understand the issue enough to talk about it. But uh, you you would be the exception. What is the current status of short-term rentals? What What, what is the plan right now for the city of Columbia? And so it's that's, that's a good question. And it's uh, not an easy one for me right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so right now – so it was on the uh, – it was on for – first read at the the january 16th council okay and so it'll be on for discussion at the february 15th february 5th meeting okay so february 5th is gonna be a long meeting yeah sounds like it and so we're gonna talk about short-term rentals and so what the plan commission has proposed to the council is a a system that has a three-tier structure Mm -hmm. and those tiers are based off the daily rents okay and so there's one be a tier for for someone who has 30 days or, or less. Oh, I see. Someone who has 120 days to from 31 to 120 days. And those are the number of days per year that you, you rent can, it out. For the number of days you okay. rent it out per year. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. And in 121 or greater. Okay. Uh, they want to make sure that those uh, people who are doing short-term renters are licensed mm-hmm. and that there's a process for inspections. Uh, how are we going to deal with parking? Mm-hmm. The one, some of the things that they're asking for is to cap it at no 80 guests eight eight guests so one structure per unit per unit okay uh the other one is they're saying that only a license for one license per per owner and so or mm. resident yeah and so it's some of those things that are part of that ordinance that the council mm-hmm. will be discussing yeah i and i know there's the conversation is going to be on the two extremes the the we want it. We need it mm-hmm. because this is how I make money. Or yeah. this is a this is going to be a huge benefit for the community. Yeah, and the we don't want it. We don't need it. Yeah. It's going to destroy our housing. Yeah, and yeah. the the argument that I, I would expect to hear that you don't hear much is is the life safety issues. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, or there are people that are converting their garages and basements, and and you know there, there are a lot of life safety issues. Yes. That, you know that uh, that might be affected because people cut corners all the time mm-hmm. and um and yeah it's good enough for you to sleep in but but is it safe and uh so you, you don't i just i just haven't heard much of that talked about you know and, which and, is interesting yeah and i think that's the bit the the beauty of actually licensing it mm-hmm. that it allows for those inspections okay so it allows to make sure that if someone says this is a structure where people are sleeping mm-hmm. it's been inspected it's safe yeah because you're correct mm-hmm. and, you know i I, I I like to travel and mm-hmm. I, I like to travel internationally. Yeah. And when I travel internationally, you know, uh, if I go to Colombia or the Dominican Republic, you know, I stay in an Airbnb. Yeah. And you can stay in an Airbnb that's really really nice. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Or you can stay in an Airbnb that's yeah. kind of scary. Third world country. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, uh, so is it is how much of the issue is property rights? Is someone coming in and telling me what I can and can't do with my property? Are you hearing that? You 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 are. Yeah, and that and I think that's part of the argument. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's that balance between me as a property owner having a right to utilize my property, and then you as a business owner mm-hmm. who's doing a commercial use in a residential neighborhood. Yeah. And so that's the rub. Yeah. And so it's trying to find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Um, I want to, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, your new housing department. Uh, tell us what's involved in, in the Columbia's new housing department. That was something that you had proposed at budget time last year. Yes, and, sir. uh, uh, what, what do you see as the primary purpose of that department? Yeah. So, so when we, when we talk about one of the issues facing Columbia, 
housing is is one of our primary yeah. issues. Yeah. And it's not just affordable housing. It's yeah. housing, period. Yeah. Now, if you listen to the uh, Realtors Association, they'll tell you it's just not enough product in our community. Yeah. And so if there's not enough high-end housing, mm-hmm. then you don't have people moving up. And so then they stay in homes that could be going to affordable housing. Yep. And so then that, that only increases our issues with affordable housing. Yeah. And so the focus of this department is to put a primary look on housing in our community. Mm-hmm. It will be a place for, if I'm a developer who wants to do a residential development, I have a place in the city that I can go to, that I can talk to about initiatives and what does that look like. Mm-hmm. If I'm somebody who wants to buy a home, there's a place where I can go to where I can get that resources to kind of help me get there. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to create is a housing resource center where we are we're that one-stop shop to make sure that we are increasing our housing stock. Yeah. Uh, it's also, it, it will be looking at affordable housing programs and what can we do in order to incentivize it? What can we do in order to grow it? Mm-hmm. It will be looking at housing as a whole. How do we look at some of our development processes to make sure that it's not an impediment to housing growth? Yeah. And so it's, it's that. It, it's part of the answer, uh, getting this, the city itself to sort of, back off on some regulations or maybe some of the standards that that they have uh, subscribed to in 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 recent years i mean is it does the city make it more expensive than it should be to build a house and i don't have the answer to that but that could be the question okay i think one of the things that we want to do is we need to do is have that conversation with developers yeah and say is what are the impediments yeah and if it's us tell us how we can get out of the way yeah and so if it's an internal department in the city i mean is is it is the person running that department likely to be critical of what the city is doing? I'm not sure. Okay. That's, that's I good, mean, I think it'd be that, tough. You that, know what I mean? It'd, it, be, it'd just, be tough for that person. They'd be in an awkward position. But yeah. will there be some outside input on on the topic? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you, you, you have to. You yeah. have to get. So, like, one of the things that we're doing right now is um, we're doing a housing study. And the city itself is not doing it. Mm-hmm. We actually are partnering with Boone County to do it. Okay. And so we're, we're paying a huge part of it, mm-hmm. but it's that housing analysis of housing in our community and what do we have and, yeah. what, and what do we need and how do we move it forward? Does the final product of that study offer solutions? It should. Okay, good. That'd That's, be nice. That is the goal. Yeah. yeah I'll, you don't really need more people telling you you have a problem. You right. know what I mean? It would Absolutely. be nice to get some it's, solutions. It's yeah. like, tell us how to get past the problems. Yeah. I want to jump into roll carts because, uh, you know, I bet you when you go to, uh, uh, Urban League or, or the, the city of the League of Cities, uh, uh, you might be one of the few city managers in America that says, our number one issue in our community is trash collection. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I, I have never seen uh, a public entity have to spend so much time on trash collection. But when we come back from this break, I want you to try to give our listeners a, a good explanation of what to expect with roll cards and, and what's going to happen. And then maybe you can help me understand why my trash didn't get picked up this week. I somehow missed all the news about trash not being picked up on Monday. But let's uh, we'll, we'll continue that conversation with DeCarlin Seawood. We have so much stuff to cover uh, in the last segment of the show, so please stay with us. Uh, you're listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle.
This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with the Carlin Seawood City Manager uh, for the City of Columbia. We have covered a lot of great topics this morning, but we got a lot more to cover. Roll carts. So this all begins the first week in March. Yes, and People were given an opportunity to request um, a the size of, of roll cards that they wanted. Um, and what percentage of people do you think? Do you happen to know what percentage of households actually requested what size they want? Responded to the survey? Ooh, that's a good question. And I don't have that yeah. answer. I think anecdotally, I believe um, a majority did. Really? Uh, well, that surprises me. Uh, those who don't will get the um, 65 gallon. Yeah. Yeah, is that the what? Where is that small, middle, large? That's, that's the middle one. Middle one, okay, and, very good. And, and that's the one where it's at your current rate. Okay, and how many bags of trash will that hold? Two or three? No, it should hold about six. Really? Yeah. Okay, very good. All right. Well, that's great. Um, so I did not fill out my survey, and I I saw online this morning. You know, it's really interesting. There was um, again, trash collection is such a controversial issue in this community. I guess we need bigger things to worry about, but. Um, it's uh, uh, people were were seem to be very confused on this these neighborhood you know uh, websites that that people uh, get on and complain about, and uh, so the carts are actually going to be delivered to your curb, kind of in the area where the city wants you to put your cart every week. Yes. Okay. And you can't put it out until four p.m. the day before. Correct. And then it has to be back wherever you're storing it. Um, by 10 p.m. that night, the day of, of collection. That is correct. Okay. And, uh, are there any, where the, the, the council had discussed, I mean, one of the things that, that, one of the reasons I was against roll cards is because I've driven around Jeff City a few mm-hmm. times and I see people with their roll cards out in front of their house all week long. Yes. You know, and, and Fulton's the same way. It looks terrible. Uh, and I think Ashton is the same way. So, you know, uh, is there a policy about what you do? Is there any kind of punishment on the record if you leave your card out longer than the, the that twenty four hour period? And so, yes. Okay. The the hard part is the, enforcement. Well, it's not just enforcement. Mm. The policy doesn't tell you where to store your cards. It just oh. tells you it has to be away from the curb. Okay. And so, to somebody that may be on the other side of the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, what? You're right. So, one of the things that we're going to be discussing at Monday on the 22nd, we're going to talk about recycling. Mm-hmm. We have a special uh, council work session, but we're also going to talk about does the council want to see us put some legislation in on where people can store the roll cards? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been, I think that's been a question by a number of community members and that's been an ask. Yeah. So, that's something that we, we had an interested, par- interested parties meeting on. Mm-hmm. And so, we'll continue that conversation at that council work session. Yeah. And is there, uh, is there some concern about what certain people, uh, I mean, what, what, perhaps what people with low income, what their options will be versus people that are of, uh, middle income? I think the, the question is, so uh, in the communities I've worked in that I've had uh, row cards, where we've said is you have to store it either on the side of your property or, or the rear of your property. Okay. And so I think, for from that standpoint, storing it in your rear of your property doesn't, or on the side of your property doesn't really mean that you got to have a garage or yeah. you got to have any type of major uh, infrastructure. Yeah, it's just you no know, storing it away from the sight line. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that'll be interesting. And then, 
Uh, what about these these uh, older homes that have been turned into four or five apartments? What 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 will they do? I mean, uh, that's 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 that. Those are totally different issues. Yeah, and it's really trying to figure out what does that mean and mm-hmm. how does that look at. So we're going to have to look at that on a case by case basis. Okay, East Campus is, is probably oh, yeah. the prime example. Yeah, where you have so many homes that have been converted. Yeah, and so. You know, Are you thinking multiple roll carts? And I don't know. Okay. And so it's, it's all about looking at what that need is. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sure other cities have had to deal with that. So yes. it's, it's, uh, it's something. Um, okay. Anything else about roll carts that we, if, if you, is there, do you still have time? You're going to get the middle sized card if you haven't responded. Yes. Is, and then you'll, for a period, you will replace it at no charge. Absolutely. Okay. And so if someone gets the middle size and say, like, you know what? I really want a small one. Or I really want a large one. Yeah. I think they have 120 days. Yeah. Don't count me on that. Yeah. I think that's right. I, I think to, that's what I read this morning. To say, Hey, yeah. I want to change this out. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, anything else about roll carts that we need to warn people about? Uh, not necessarily warn people about, but they are coming. Yeah. And so they're, <laughs> they're, they're actually at our Transload facility right now. Yeah. And so we'll start delivering them, um, probably toward the end of January, 1st of February. Yeah. Is there a possibility that we will never have a city, uh, recycling program again? No, we're, we're bringing back curbside, okay. curbside recycling. Okay. It, Does it, is that sustainable? I mean, is it, is it something that, I mean, you know, those, those markets have really changed and yes. there's, there's no money in it for the city like there used to be, perhaps. Not as much. Yeah. And, um, so do you expect to see some wholesale changes? I think what we need to do is really look at what does recycling mean. Mm-hmm. There are some other, there's some things that we t- currently don't recycle that if we, figured out a process to recycle we probably can make a little bit more money on yeah uh prime example is styrofoam yeah uh but the issue is that we have to we have to buy equipment to convert the styrofoam to something that is uh sellable yeah but so it's it's so one of the things we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to upgrade our murph mm-hmm. and so it's uh, that's our material material materially recovered facility yeah, yeah. and right <laughs> and now we have a dirty murph is that right, right right now we have okay. a very a very dirty murph. okay very good which means people throw everything into it people, and, and then you sort it and on the on the end and it's hand sorted yeah Ugh. And so, uh, it's, so it's not ideal for, it's not ideal for our employees. Yeah. And so there, there are automated systems that have been in place for decades. And mm-hmm. so having something that's more automated, and it also hopefully will allow for our recyclables to be more cleaner, mm-hmm. which will make it easier to sell. With, with the uh, roll carts coming, uh, what has happened to your staffing with the, the, uh, refuge collection department? No, that's, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we, the reason why curbside recycling went away, mm-hmm. the reason why we were struggling is because we could not hire staff. Mm-hmm. You know, people just weren't applying for the jobs, and those who were applying for the jobs were leaving left yeah. and right. Uh, so does attrition pretty much take care of it for you? Uh, well, attrition takes care of it, but the, the well, one of the things we did last year is we actually looked at our salaries, mm-hmm. and we actually made wholesale increases to our employee salaries. Mm-hmm. And what we're starting to see is more and more people willing to take a chance on the public sector. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see more people apply for our jobs. Mm-hmm. And so we are getting our staffing levels back up to where those operations can operate seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's until the private sector catches up and then uh, they steal your employees away again. I, I know how this works. It's, yeah. it's, it, it is the whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, when you, uh, it, let me ask you about recycling real quick. So when we go back to curbside recycling, will there be a separate roll cart for recycling or will it be back in bags or what, what is your thought right now? So currently it's back in bags. Okay. Uh, ideally, uh, I think it needs to be automated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it needs to go to some two roll carts. 
two roll cards. Oh my! And, and but but that's all right. <laughs> uh, we're, and we can have a process where you could because uh, one of the things that the consultant that we that we're talking about there's a way of having your where you can do your cardboard and your plastics in the same container. Okay. And then that will allow us to only have two carts to make sure that we're still picking up our recycling. Yeah. Okay. But there, you'll still plan on having community drop-off sites for people that need that. Yes. But okay. I, but but ideally, and this is going to be yeah. This is probably going to make some people mad. Yeah. I think we need to shrink the number of drop-off sites. Yeah. And they need to be manned because staffed. they're a problem. They, they are. really are. They, they, people they, do not respect. They, they, um, they need yeah. to be. They need to be staffed. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. That's that's good to know. Uh, okay. So. Um, Tell us about the city's involvement. Uh, this opportunity campus is coming, whether we like it or not. Um, and uh, this is a homeless shelter that uh, is uh, there's eighteen million dollars being invested in that. H- how much is the what's the city's financial commitment to the to that so far? So right now, the financial commitment from the city is the the city council have has agreed to fund it through ARPA. Okay, uh, and that's fun. That I think that's a three million dollar. That's a one time payment. One time payment. Okay, and that uh, that will help with the construction of the facility. Okay, uh, right now we have agreements with Room at the Inn mm-hmm. and agreements with Turning Point where yep. we pay them for service. Okay, uh, those entities most likely will relocate to the Opportunity Campus, and then we would negotiate whether or not we continue to fund those uh, operations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you don't really have a commitment to providing a regular funding we to do. the Opportunity Campus. Currently, we do not. Okay, very good. And you suspect they'll come and ask for it at some point. Yeah, I, I think I think because I don't see us going away from Room at the Inn. Right, right. And I think if Room at the Inn is housed there, we would still pay them for that yeah. service, mm-hmm. and that would go to their landlord. What What will you do with the Ashley Street Center once uh, Room at the or, uh, the Opportunity Campus opens? That's a good question. Okay, and uh, so. I, I most likely it would be pro- probably become a park amenity, yeah, or a, a public space amenity, yeah. Uh, so I, I we don't know, yeah. I, I mean, is it possible that Ashley Street Center could have handled the long term needs of the homeless population? I don't know if it could if it would have been able to handle all the long term needs. Okay, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of social services stuff that needs to be provided, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have the office space for those things it doesn't have an office space to build put in a clinic yeah and those are some of the things that really needs to be part of this operation for the socially conscious among us it's pretty important to mention that the services that are being provided to the homeless population right now are far superior to what has been offered in the past absolutely yeah the Ashley Street Center has made a huge difference yes sir yeah and that's that's been a big big step in the right direction so the city uh, by no means is ignoring the homeless population we are not yeah and so it's 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 interesting okay Um, I want to talk you a little about oh so we have um, uh, it's really interesting we are a city manager former government and and, uh, every now and then we have to remind people about that and and uh, you probably don't do it because you're too nice of a guy but uh, I'm happy to. Uh, so really, the city manager runs the city and he's got a city council that he serves at the pleasure of and, and the mayor. Um, so you've got um, you've got a second ward city council race coming up. Andrew yes. Weiner, uh has has uh, stepped down. Uh, you've got a sixth ward, which is uncontested. So Betsy Peters will return to that seat. Mm-hmm. And then there's a recall election in the fourth ward. Help our listeners. First underst- ward. I'm sorry. First, first ward. Help our listeners understand what happens, uh, if the recall of Nick Knoth is successful, and I hope that it's not, uh, what, what happens if, if they are successful in recalling Nick Knoth? So if, if they are successful at recalling Mr. Knoth, 
uh, he would have, he would vacate his office. Okay. And so then the first word would go unrepresented until there's a next election to vote somebody in. Wow. Okay. And that's, um, uh, yeah, that's tough. So it's, it's really, and that could be, that could be till August, correct? At the very earliest? I, I, I can't speak on that. That, yeah. I mean, that's the council's yeah. job would be to set the next uh, yeah. election, but they would have to get petitions. They'd have to campaign. So you'd have to give some type of process to allow for an election yeah. process. Do you think that our current form of government, which is established in the city's charter, is, is that, is, is that still effective? Is that, is that the way we should be doing things? <laughs> My opinion, absolutely. Well, yeah, because, you know, your job's at stake, but I mean, the deal is, is that, I mean, is it, is it res- is it respected? Is it is- we, we are we are a representative form of government. Yeah, it the voters vote in the city council. The voters set priorities. The council sets policy, and they hire me in order to enact those policies. Yeah, okay. and it works. Yeah, okay, so it's working the way the, the way you see it right now. It's working. Yeah, I think the biggest issue that we have is we don't do a good job of communicating the positive things that are going on in this mm-hmm. community. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough thing. And, and there's confusion, whether it's about trash collection or, or homeless shelters or whatever. There's just so much confusion. And part of that's, that's on the media. The media has dropped the ball. The yes, media sir. has disappeared. And so, uh, that, that is a real challenge, uh, these days for organizations like yours. Absolutely. You know? So, DeCarlin Seawood, we appreciate you joining us. It's great to get an update. This, uh, this hour went by way too fast. And, uh, I look forward to having you on again soon. But appreciate again your transparency and your willingness to come in and, and talk with us. That's DeCarlin Seawood, the city manager for the City of Columbia. I'm Fred Perry. We'll be back next week with another edition of the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The East. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.